Hi, everybody. Welcome. Steve Wollenhouse here, your host on Anatomy of Success. To be more effective at making good decisions, do these seven things is what we plan to discuss this week. So glad you joined us. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. Again, this is Anatomy of Success, and I'm your host, Steve Wollenhouse. Welcome here for the first time. Grateful you joined us. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll let you know when future episodes become available. And if you would, please rate, review the podcast. If you've been here before, we always appreciate that. Then stop by weatherology.com. Find the Weatherology mobile app. It's free. Some great new features coming on board this year. Can't wait to tell you about those things. And then stop by my About Us page on Weatherology, and you'll find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook at the top of that page. My links are there. You know, many of us confronted with big decisions this past year, lots of them, work-related, relationships-related, you know, health-related, family members stricken by COVID, elderly family members, some big decisions. Believing we can make flawless decisions, now that's unrealistic. Increasing the odds of making good decisions, that's a much better alternative. There are seven variables I believe we can examine to help improve our ability to make better choices. Harvard professor Max Bezerman has written extensively on this topic and I believe understands the anatomy of decisions just about better than anybody. And it begins with greater appreciation of how we utilize judgment during the decision-making process. He offers suggestions that can provide a framework for making better decisions. According to Nelson Mandela, make your decisions reflect your hopes, not your fears. Here are seven methods we can use to make difficult choices. Number one, define. Many people act without a deep understanding of the problem that they're attempting to solve, which results in attempting to solve the wrong problem. Having accurate judgment helps us identify the real problem and avoid missing the big picture. Diagnosing the problem in terms of symptoms or trying to define a problem in terms of proposed solutions. Defining the actual problem helps us get narrow in our ability to ascertain what it is we're actually attempting to fix or resolve or improve, and we can put the effort toward the actual dilemma, not all the other circumstances or erroneous information that circulates around tough choices as we get emotionally immersed in the complexity of making big decisions. Next, identify. Most decisions require achieving multiple objectives. Let's say we're buying a house. We want a good location. We want good schools for our kids if we have kids. We want a safe neighborhood. A rational decision maker recognizes all those pertinent criteria required to make a good choice and they make the decision accordingly by identifying all the other factors that impact our decision. Next, we have to examine. Each variable we examine has a level of importance that elicits a measure of significance based on our personal preferences. We have to understand the value of each of those parameters when considering decisions and assign value to those parameters accordingly. So we define, we identify, and now we examine those choices. According to Kathleen Hall, in everything we do, we are choosing a direction. Our life is a product of all those choices. 
Next, we have to imagine. The next step in this process requires identifying each possible course of action. Many decision makers spend inadequate time seeking alternatives and lack the ability to envision the outcome predicated on the choices that we're attempting to make or that we make. We have to not rush difficult decisions and we have to contemplate the results before we make the decision. We have to try to imagine what that decision will actually look like in the future. Let's hypothetically say we have a new job prospect at our disposal. We think about the job. We define what the issue is that we're struggling with. We identify the various things, the advantages, disadvantages. We examine the efficacy of that decision, and then we start to imagine what that decision would look like. Maybe I live in St. Louis and this job opportunity is in New York. I start to picture what would living in New York look like? Living in an apartment that's super expensive, small square footage, maybe safety is an issue. And right now, as you know, New York City is a little bit on the volatile side. We start to think about all those things. We imagine what that decision will look like. That helps us improve our ability to feel at peace with the choice we make. Next, ramifications. You know, being honest about the outcome of our choices helps picture the consequences for making that decision. This can be the most challenging part of this process of the five steps we've identified so far in this decision-making process because it requires trying to forecast into the future. Much like the previous point, imagine, contemplating the ramifications of that choices takes it a step further by imagining what life will be like in New York City and how it might feel if we miss our family, can't show up for Christmas because we're busy working, a myriad of other things. My sister just had a baby and I'm not there to be a part of that. You know, we start to picture the ramifications. The rational decision maker carefully assesses the potential consequences of our choices based on carefully evaluating each alternative solution. Next, clarity. What could happen in the future? What is the likelihood it will happen? So once we start to think about and imagine those decisions and contemplate the consequences of those choices, we start to get some clarity into whether we're exacerbating these ideas or if there is, in fact, some validity to these things that we're thinking about. This is where we got to wrestle with conflicting information and find a balance between sacrifices that we're making and the perceived advantages of the choice that we're making. So once again, this illustration of New York City, we've already contemplated the sacrifices and maybe some of the disadvantages, but what are the advantages? I'm going to make more money. I'm going to have the ability to travel with this new job. I'm going to make new friends. I'm going to be in a cultural area where music and uh, the arts are prevalent. And those are things that are important to me. Human misjudgment often results in overconfidence. We have an overconfidence bias. We have to be very careful about that. There are the subtle ways our mind might lead us astray at a very deep subconscious level. Our subconscious mind is larger than our conscious mind. And yet we rarely 
pay attention to how we might be deceiving ourselves predicated on those prejudices. Another problem, by the way, remaining committed to something we've said in the past that prevents us from exploring better alternatives as a result of those subconscious biases. Maybe we have a predilection to believe something that in this particular instance pertaining to this choice is irrelevant. We have to obviate the effects of that and get serious about seeking clarity. And finally, compute. What we decide today could have enormous impact, implications on the choices that we make in the future. As a result, we need to recognize our future goals need to influence our choices today. Important decisions are interconnected over time. They weave together. Once we work through the first six steps that we've talked about in this process, we start computing the ideal decision, the ideal choice based on the obvious choice that emerges as a result of careful consideration. Our best decision is the one that should come to the surface. You know, patience gives us self-control, the capacity to stop and be in the present moment. From that place, we can make our best decisions. I know making difficult decisions isn't easy, but I hope this process, this seven-step process, will help provide you with at least a framework that can make bigger decisions in the future a little bit more palatable. Glad you joined us here this week on Anatomy of Success. Again, I'm your host, Steve Wollenhouse. Come back again next week. Until then, let's stay focused, let's stay positive, and let's stay optimistic. Stay optimistic.